First service, how are you feeling? Man, it is good to be together again, isn't it? Some of you are joining us for the first time because school is starting up. Can we get an amen? Man, whatever we pay those teachers, we should quadruple it. Am I right about that? Listen, we get together and we sing, we sing these things to God. And I think sometimes it's just like the rhythm and the tradition of all of it. But I just want to pause for a moment before we go through this service and recognize that we are a gathering of the rescued here together today. One thing that distinguishes us as a community is that we love to be honest about where God has brought us from so that we can celebrate his power in the life that we're living now. You with me, Vertical Church? Colossians puts it this way, that because God loved us so much, he was willing to move into our stories and rescue us out of the darkness and bring us into where Jesus runs things. That's my story. How about yours? I used to live over here outside of God's plan and I thought I had things worked out. And then Jesus said, no, you're coming over into my kingdom and I will run things here and you will be more pleased with this life than the one that you had designed. That's awesome news, isn't it? What that means for us as a church is that we don't have to live covering up who we were. Oh my gosh, this isn't even planned. You guys okay with this? We don't even have to live covering up who we were. Like, I don't want you to know who I used to be because that's gonna be embarrassing. That's not gonna get the votes or the job or the spouse or the money. We don't have to live that way in this community. Say, no, no, that's exactly who I was. In fact, you don't know everything of who I was. Let me sit down on a driveway. Let me tell you everything about who I used to be. Because once you understand that, you will understand how powerful the work of Jesus Christ has been in my story. Anybody with me? This is what we're talking about inside of our community because it's how we're living, because it's such freedom in a lifestyle like that. I don't have to cover up who I was because if I do that, then I cover up the work of Jesus and I will not allow that to happen. Today, we're rolling into our second week of the trouble with trouble and we're talking about how all that stuff that used to go on in our stories got started because we don't want it to get started again. Anybody with me? If there's anything we love to celebrate as a culture, it's celebrity. We love to celebrate people who are made famous specifically through entertainment. It's an idea that's actually crept into the church and I don't have time for this whole big speech today, but we need to be very careful about that. When it comes to Christian gatherings, communities of faith, this is a very dangerous principle. But when it comes to entertainment, it's actually awesome because we feel this connection to the people as they're participating in the art. It's a combination of two things. It's because of their ability and also because of the level of production. You know what this is like, right? I mean, you've seen The Notebook. You feel like you know this couple. It's how movies work. They design them for us to feel a connection for the people that we're watching in this art. And it works, doesn't it? We go back over and over and over again to watch these. One of the best that I've seen in recent history is a guy named Dax Shepard. You guys may not be familiar with his name, but you definitely know his work. We're gonna introduce a video that you're gonna watch of him in an interview in just a moment. In 2018, he started a podcast called The Armchair Expert. It reached number one on iTunes in 2018. That's a complicated feat to pull off. The whole podcast is just conversations between Dax and people that he finds interesting and he is interesting and these conversations are interesting. Proceed with caution, they're a little rough around the edges but they're super entertaining. If you're not a podcast person, you may be a TV person, you might recognize this. Anybody remember Parenthood? Okay, just me? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't remember the Bravermans? Who wouldn't wanna be a part of a family run by coach? 
showing my age there. You see Dax in the back. In this show, Dax actually plays one of the siblings who's always tripping into some sort of problem. He's super intense and he's really confused about how to find his way out, but he's got a good heart. The reason he was so good at playing this role is it's very close to who he is actually in real life. Maybe you're not an NBC kind of person. Maybe you're a movie person. Many of you saw this movie without a paddle. Three funny guys, one terrible movie. (laughs) As I was reading reviews, I've never seen it. I was reading reviews this week and people were like, hey, if you haven't seen this movie, don't bother, right? But even with this, when he brings his presence to the screen, this movie pulls in 58 million bucks. That's a lot of money, isn't it? When you see Dax as an actor, you feel like you know him. He's just that good. He's that vulnerable and genuine on screen. But there's a part of Dax's story that you don't know. In early 2019, Dax sat down for an interview on off camera with Sam Jones. And he decided he was gonna be rigorously honest about his life and his story. It's how he lives post-recovery. I encourage you after this service to go home, you can just YouTube off-camera Dax Shepard. It's an hour-long interview. We don't have time for that today, but we're gonna watch roughly six minutes and change of Dax sharing his story, a lot like Bill did a few weeks ago. What a privilege to be able to reach into this man's life and hear how things went for him. Check this out. How's that for honesty? Yeah. Dax sitting in front of a camera. Thank you, Chase. Telling us some things that Jesus actually said first. I think we could all give credit to God and to Jesus for keeping Dax alive. Maybe even for this moment. The words, I hope that you heard them. I want to read them for you in case they just slipped past. You guys okay with this kind of intensity this morning? Here we go. In case they slipped past you in that interview. He says this, I think a lot of us proceed through life thinking we would be happy if. We would have self-esteem if. We would know contentment if. Those are illusions that most people don't get to find out are illusions. I got to find out, Dax says, it was an illusion. Listen, I can only assume that Sam and Dax, they're not believers They may have heard of Jesus, but they haven't trusted him. They may have heard of God, but they're suspicious of him. But in this interview, Sam and Dax, they stumble dangerously close to the truth, don't they? Here's a big phrase I wanna give you as we kind of go in this direction, because some of us, here's the honesty for me today. Some of us were in this exact same place as Dax, and some of us were thinking about it. Those of us that are sitting in the room relieved right now, we've been there and back already. But those of you that are deciding which way, this fork in the road that Austin talked about, how do we choose the right way? I wanna give you some phrases. The first one is this, trouble will overpromise and underdeliver every time. This is what trouble does. It moves into your story. It overpromises what it will give you, and then eventually it will under-deliver. I cannot think of a single time in my story where trouble was telling the truth. How about you? It's crafty mistress, isn't it? Trouble will overpromise and underdeliver every time. It's like that person that you meet and initially you think, we are going to be lifelong friends. 
And you share a lot of experiences together, making memories, and then eventually they pack up with all your stuff, they betray you, and they drive off into the sunset. That's what trouble feels like. Trouble will convince you every time that what you must do without compromise is to trade the now for the next. That's what trouble says. What you have now, trouble whispers, is just not quite as good as what you could have next. See the enemy, see the garden, see every therapist's office waiting room in town. What you have now isn't quite as good as what you could have next. Jesus actually talked about this too. Jesus has a particularly good ability to be able to move into these really complex situations in our lives before we even live them and give us some truth that's absolutely necessary. If you're one of those people that's with us today, you're like, look, I, I just like to dodge trouble in my life. We have any trouble dodgers? One, two, three, no, okay. that's who I am. Like, listen, I don't want trouble, but it seems to find me. Jesus gives us some really clear instructions in Matthew chapter six. Hopefully if I do my job today, I can help these words come alive for you. Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 19, Jesus says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moss and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? Jesus says, the place where your treasure is, is the place where you want to be. It's the place where you most want to be. And Jesus continues by saying, and in the end, it's the place where you're going to end up. Classic Jesus. We all know this, there are many roads into trouble. There are many roads out of trouble, but Jesus takes this moment in his teaching to take this situation totally binary. There are only two options here, Jesus says. Don't overcomplicate the matter. You need to be careful about where you place value because where you place value, that's where you're going to end up. And where you end up is probably where you're going to stay. The first step of trouble is the most troubling step of trouble. Jesus says, listen, be very, very careful how you're living because if you answer the door when trouble knocks, eventually you will invite it in and eventually it will steal your life. This is Jesus being so good at what he does. History teaches us there are basically seven places where trouble hides and does its best work. If you're a note taker, I encourage you, open up version, go to events and find the teaching. It's listed there for you. Your phone knows where you are. It'll say you're in church and here are the notes from what this guy is saying. Creepy, but it's very convenient. If you're not into phones or smart devices while you're in church, jot this down on a piece of paper because you're gonna need it later, trust me. Seven places historically where trouble hides and does its best work. We're gonna roll through these. Don't panic, I'm gonna be very quick with this. We're gonna get you out of here on time today. Everybody still with me? First one is this, pride. It basically works out to equation all of these. Pride initially sells you that you're going to feel and be right. You know what? What's most dangerous about this is that sometimes you are. It promises if you will just live a life of pride, you'll be walking tall and you'll be right more than you'll be wrong. What it doesn't tell you is you'll be walking so tall that eventually you'll be walking by yourself. That's the trouble with pride. Here's one that's very easy to talk about in our context, greed. Greed will promise you that you will have that feeling of being arrived. I have arrived. 
You surround yourselves with things or people that tell you if you have these things or these relationships in your life, you have arrived. But very quickly, it translates into this. You will forever be doomed to chase that feeling for the rest of your life because what you have now isn't as good as what you could have next. Isn't that crafty, church? This is what trouble does, greed. Here's one, unfortunately, I struggled with, even yesterday, wrath, anger. Anger promises instant relief and delivers instant regret. That's true, isn't it? When you get those words out of your mouth or you get those words out of your thumbs and onto social media, you feel so good for just a moment. And then you realize the drudgery of trying to clean up your own reputation or relationships and just how long that's probably going to take. But trouble doesn't tell you about that, does it? If you give into wrath, it promises you relief. What you get is regret. How about this one? Envy. The church doesn't talk about this much, but we're going to today. Is that all right? Let me break envy down for you. Envy promises that you will be validated and you do feel validated because you say to yourself, you know what? That person has that thing. I'm good enough to deserve that thing. I should have that thing. Even the most desperate among us that struggle with confidence, we can have envy because we feel validated in the beginning. I deserve that, don't I? I deserve that Jeep, don't I? Eight years later, still preaching about a Jeep. We feel validated in the beginning. You know what? I should have that. Very quickly, we turn to victim because life or the people around us haven't given us that thing. So we're doomed to live in the cycle of a validated victim. Trouble doesn't talk about that much, does it? Here's another one. You knew this was on its way. Lust. Here's what lust does. It gives you instant relief and instant regret. Do you see the parallel? Hopefully that rings a bell. You remember we were talking about wrath just a moment ago? Here's what happens, especially for those of us in the room that are men. We live life oscillating between these two things because we're able to express the same emotion, but to change the scenery. If you show me a man who is trapped in wrath and angry, I will show you a man who has lust knocking on his door. Because trouble in these two places, it feels the exact same way. Instant relief followed by instant regret. Anybody uncomfortable yet? This list was way easier to talk about in private. How about gluttony? We're almost to the end now. Hang in there. Gluttony. Gluttony promises that you will be satisfied in the process, but it delivers being miserable with the results. Go ahead, pop the button on your pants. It's not going to change how your stomach feels. Brace yourself for this. It's not going to brace how that, it's not going to settle down how that mirror feels either. Gluttony. It's to other people's benefit for us to consume and consume and consume. Somewhere, somebody's getting rich off your misery, but trouble doesn't talk about that, does it? The last one. Can we just say, we can stop saying quarantine and we can start saying sloth? Really, I mean, I found the end of Netflix. I didn't know it was out there. It's at the bottom of the rainbow. I'm like, there's nothing else to watch. Here's what sloth promises, that you will be rested. What it delivers, restlessness. 
So true, isn't it? Your body is at rest, but your soul and your spirit just become restless. See, here's the trick. It's the second word in all of these equations that trouble leaves out of its elevator pitch. It sells you one thing and it delivers another. Trouble will always overpromise and always underdeliver. This is what Jesus was saying. Careful where you place your treasure. If your treasure is in the wrong place, trouble will be your destination. Let's be honest about this this morning though, and I've been waiting years to do this. Sometimes it's difficult for us to take the words of Jesus seriously, isn't it? All the Christians are like, wait, what this guy say? Here's what I mean by that. If Jesus was God, then certainly things had to be a little easier for him, right? I mean, am I the only person that says this? I mean, he's got a little bit more like superpower than we do. If your religion causes you to back up from that, then you often say things like this. Well, things back then were easier, right? It was a simpler time. It was easier for people to live this way than it is for us to live this way. So I want this lesson to sink in for us this morning. We're going to go to a place in the Old Testament. You just need to know old is the big word there, way back there. There's a guy, one of the most successful people to have ever lived according to his credentials, and we have access to his journal. He wrote this. These words are gonna shock you. They're as rigorously honest as Dax's words were at the beginning of the service. Here's what he says. Those who love money will never have enough. Wait a minute. They didn't teach me that in economics, you? Those who love money will never have enough. Let me pause here before I keep reading the Bible. Nobody loves rich people more than me. You're sitting in a building because wealthy people believe in the cause of Christ. I'm not against money. Hear me on that. But when we fall in love with it more than other things, we are inviting, guess what? Trouble. We're inviting trouble. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Can any rich people say amen? Just seeing who I need to have lunch with this week. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. That's like, like the parent's life right there. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. Remember, this is a dramatically wealthy man writing these words. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. This is exactly what Jesus was saying. In fact, if you could take Matthew chapter six and take it down to one word, and I'm about to do that for you, it would be this, careful, careful. He continues, Ecclesiastes chapter five, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. Notice that phrase. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. That's freedom, isn't it, Vertical Church? I want you to hear this big phrase, though. These things that we want in our life so much are actually gifts from God. Joy and acceptance in their best, most long-lasting form will not come from objects. They will not come from relationships. They will not come from status. They will not come from pursuing trouble. They will come as a recipient of the love and mercy and grace of God Almighty. 
You know what's so great about that is it doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on, you've got access to God. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up your past or what your portfolio looks like currently in the pandemic, you've got access to God. And you know what God has? You know the commodities that he specializes in? Joy and acceptance. Anybody in line for that? I'll wait in line. Let the other 10 people get out of the store. I want to get in and get some of that. Pandemic joke. Let me just phrase it to you this way. How would you like to be able to say that famous Southern question that everybody asks? Hey man, how you doing? How'd you like to be able to answer it this way? Man, I'm busy, busy enjoying my life. Wouldn't you love to be able to say that? You know how you get it? You don't cut God out. You don't break your relationship with the giver. You accept these gifts from him. So before this teaching ends, I just wanna give you two things to think about. And after you go home and think about these things, I want you to start doing them. Deal? You can say deal. Step one, think less about contentment. Think more about consequences. Many of us were trapped in this loop. Like, what would it take for me to be content? What would it take for me to be content? Maybe with this next prime shipment, I will hit the holy grail and I will be content. Maybe if I look this way, I will be content. Maybe if I land these pair of Jordan 1s, I'll be content. It's going through my house right now. Think less about contentment. Think more about consequences. Here's how we say it in our men's community. And we stole this from some other guys. Play the tape all the way to the end. When you're standing at a crossroads, a fork in the road, and you're thinking, I can go this way or I can go that way. You don't think about just the first move. You think about six moves after that. What's going to happen after that? And what's going to happen after that? How many people's lives, both men and women, would be to the benefit if they had just played out the tape? How many moments in my past would have changed? How many trips to Kroger would have less embarrassment running into those people from my past if I had just played out the tape? Anybody with me? You think less about contentment and more about consequence. This is gonna help you when it comes to trouble. Ryan Holiday was quoted last weekend. We're going through this book as a staff, Stillness is the Key. He says this, only those of us who take the time to explore, to question, to extrapolate the consequences of our desires have an opportunity to overcome them and to stop regrets before they start. Man, that's the kind of life I wanna live. How about you? The most difficult time to solve a regret is after it's already happened, am I right? Second, second step, and we're almost out of here. Don't buy the lesson, borrow the lesson. Too many of us are paying for life's lessons. Here's the trick. Your life isn't gonna be long enough for you to get all the lessons you need to have a successful life. You've got to borrow them from other people. Guess what? We gave you a chance to do that from Dax Shepard. You guys planning on being famous, having good movies and bad movies, and a number one podcast at your goal for 2021? Everybody's ambitious after this pandemic, right? That's not gonna be your story. You'll never live Dax's life. But you can borrow the lessons that he's learned without having to pay the tax. I see so many people all the way into adulthood that are paying down their life account just with trouble tax and eventually you hit having to declare bankruptcy because you've got nothing left. 
I want to challenge you. You need to start borrowing lessons and quit buying lessons because some of you are running out of money. Two steps, change your story, guaranteed. And if you change your story, you can change the story of those who are coming after you. See, the trouble with trouble is it's always going to overpromise and always going to underdeliver. Let's pray. God, today I just want to pause for the people who are in the room who are just thinking about all the trouble in their life. Here's what I know is that we convince ourselves, even sitting in these gray chairs, that we're all alone. Nobody else has ever filled in the blank with this kind of trouble. I just want to pray against that, God, publicly, and I want you to use your strength and your power and your might and your ability to move into those stories right now in this room that feel alone. Only evidence of trouble. What I know about you, God, is you specialize in moving into people's lives who are in trouble and you transform them. The Bible tells us clearly, God, that nothing's coming to our story, that you haven't given us a way to get out. You've loved us enough to provide the way out. So I'm asking you, God, to do that, to rescue us, to give us a different trajectory so that one day, even those of us who are desperate right now, will be able to point back to your activity in our story. Thank you, God, for your love for us. It's truly unbelievable. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you for your attention. We kept you a little long. We'll see you next week.